Smegheads. My name's Jed Shepherd, And I'm Daniela Phillips. How are you guys doing? Thank you very much for tuning back in to the Smegheads podcast. Is that what it's called? Smegheads You remembered it this week. Podcast. Um, if this is your first time listening, download the previous episodes. They're pretty good. Except for last week's, which was a bit boring because the uh, actual episode of Red Dwarf wasn't that great. Yeah, I didn't like we can't be. We can't be blamed for that. That, that was the Red Dwarf writing there, being a bit... We uh, work with what we have. Exactly. If we're bad at any time during any podcast, it's usually the writers of Red Dwarf's fault for not providing us with enough jumping off points. That's our excuse and we're sticking to it. <laughs> exactly. We're going to jump right into this episode. I want to give you a little bit of background to um, what happened in the previous episodes and give you a little bit of a heads up with um, what happened at the end of last week's. Let's see. The most interesting event that happened recently was that Lister pretended he'd passed the chef's exam, although really he failed. That gives you some idea of how truly exciting some days can be around here. <laughs> Not sure why they got a laugh. No. But, yeah. So, from last week's episode, um, Lister tried to pass the chef's exam, which would make him the senior um, staff member to Rimmer which would mean Rimmer would have to listen to him um, in pretty much everything he said because Rimmer is very... He's a prim and proper person. He wants to listen to authority. He embraces being told what to do by a member of uh, the authority, basically. Um, so, yeah, we found out there that Holly announces that Lister was indeed lying and he didn't pass the exam, the chef's exam, and he is still third technician. Yep. And you think that... Uh, um, uh, there are, what, what do you call it, a, a machine technician. You think those machines, so far in the future, will be able to clean themselves? Self-cleaning machines. You get that now. You get self-cleaning machines, don't you? Wh- which self-cleaning machines? You get self-cleaning... Um... Are you talking about a car wash? <laughs> I guess that is a self-cleaning machine. No, but things like Hoover's... Um, no, you have to empty a hoover. No, not with some Dysons. What? With, with the Dyson ones, they, they form kind of blocks, solid blocks of dirt, which just you can just like throw away. Does, does this That's cost about £2,000? No, it's, it's in, the, in, the, in the low hundreds, Okay, I think. It's pretty good. Okay. Dyson's great. Dyson, if you're listening to this and want to send me a... Uh... Yeah. In fact, <laughs> Dyson would probably make a lot of the talking implements um, on Red Dwarf. Yeah. It's the kind of... Um, company that would be the ones to kind of make the new, new technology, don't you think? Yeah. They make magic hoovers, essentially. <laughs> Good old Dyson. Send us some hoovers, is what we're saying. Um, so in this episode, it starts off with Rimmer being Rimmer, being an absolute and utter smeghead, mm-hmm. um, asking Holly <laughs> to access access the confidential crew files. Um, and obviously this cannot be for a good reason. Um, it's for evil. It can only be for reason, for, for evil. Holly reluctantly complies and gives him Lister's file. Um, Lister's file isn't that great because he's a self-confessed loser, mate. Yeah, we find out he was previously a supermarket trolley attendant. Yeah, which seems to be a lot more... Um, lot more to do than he has in, does in Red Dwarf, really. Yeah, but he shows he's moving up in the world. That That is true. And these are all audio kind of um, files from Captain Hollister, who is the captain of Red Dwarf, about what he thought about uh, the crew. And we're going to hear a little snippet of what Captain Hollister thought of Rimmer. Let's see. All right, Holly, give me, give me mine. Arnold Rimmer, 
technician second class. Captain's remarks, there's a saying amongst the officers, if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing well. If it's not worth doing, give it to Rimmer. The eighth <laughs> responsibility that constantly fails the engineering exam. Whoa, 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 Holly, Holly, I want my report. Rimmer, 2NZR. Astoundingly zealous, possibly mad, probably has more teeth than brain cells. <laughs> Promotion prospects, comical. No, 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 Holly, I want Rimmer. That's two R's, one at the front, one at the back. Arnold, this is your report. I always hated that pusshead, Hollister. That's quite funny. Um, so Rimmer is renowned for being um, a bit of an idiot, a bit of a snake in the grass, a bit of a brown nose. More teeth than brain cells. He has more teeth than brain cells. And Holly confirms this is the case. Um, we forgot to mention that this episode is called Waiting for God, um, the fourth episode of season one of Red Dwarf. Um, obviously a play on the play Waiting for Godot. Um, and um, this is again a little bit less sci-fi, more sitcomy, but with a couple of sci-fi elements thrown into it. It's a bit. It's kind of more a satire on modern-day religion. That's deep. It's, it's pretty deep. Deep space, in fact. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Lister, um, we find Lister in his quarters reading, sniffing a book. Um, it's a. Uh, it's a book for kids, really, it, and it uses smells to portray uh, what's happening in, in the story. What book have you read that you wish you could smell? It was the Kama Sutra. Oh, James. <laughs> what's wrong with that? I would like to read the Cat Kama Sutra. It, can we not have one podcast about bestiality or sex positions? Or both? What do, you, what do you think the Cat Karma Sutra would smell of? Um, nothing good. Nothing that I would ever want to smell. It'd be, yeah, rotten chinos. I don't it's know. Probably, it'd probably smell like the, the pizza that you uh, had it, last week. Yeah, and trout a la creme. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what would be the book that you'd want to read in a cat? smelling version i think uh i'd probably have to go for pride and prejudice just because i think i'd want to have a little sniff of uh, mr darcy <laughs> you're sick you're disgusting um do you have you seen the red wolf episode where they go to pride and prejudice world no that's season seven right i don't so, remember it no so you get to, to look forward to i can't wait to that. <laughs> um but what would that smell like musk man sweat if it was if you're smelling mr darcy he would just smell of of a swamp wouldn't he it depends if he's just got out of uh the the lake at pemberley they didn't really have many bars back in those days so it would really stink it would probably stink worse than the cat karma sutra i I just significantly doubt that if you think you know what the cat karma sutra would smell like please let us know in the comments on itunes Or, or let us know which book you'd like to smell Yes, please do. Yeah. Um, we have, we see uh, Lister doing that and he's getting really into it. And as we found out in the previous episode, um, Lister hasn't even read a book before. So the first book he ever reads is a cat book, mm. which is kind of cool. Yeah. And the uh, annoying toaster's back. Oh God, yeah. The really, really annoying toaster. And did you notice that you can see one of the uh, crew members, not, not testicles, but you can see one of the crew members' legs in the reflection <laughs> in the toaster? Oh really? Yeah. I did not notice that. Um, but do toasters have testicles now we've, we've got down to it? No. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Red Dwarf isn't one for um, 
come editing out little gaffes here and there. Every now and again, you do see things in reflections. You see the the kind of boom mic in shot a couple of times. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a BBC 80s TV show, so it's not going to be the highest of the uh, values. Um, so... Rimmer appears and asks what cat is, what it, what Lister's doing, um, and Lister kind of gives him a brief description of the book he's reading, and it is essentially a kids' book. Um, you've got to start. You've got to start small, haven't you? Yeah, you can't you can't delve into Ulysses straight away. Exactly, and then Rimmer is distracted by the fact that Rimmer is in fact wearing one of his. One of, uh, one of Rimmer's shirts. Yeah, Lister's got his shirt on. Yeah, and he's not only got his shirt on, he's absolutely ruined it. Yeah. Covered in stains, all kinds of stains. Yeah, he's been uh, rubbing food all over himself while he's been sniffing at that book. I don't... <laughs> That's what I would do if I read the cat karmacy sutra, I oh, think. Oh, Jed, I don't want to know what you're going to be cat food all you, uh, over. reading the cat karma sutra. <laughs> but um, we do also find out that Rimmer puts his underwear on coat hangers and that Everyone laughed, but I, I think that's quite a good idea. I think so too. I'm, I'm glad you think so because otherwise they could, they'll be like scrunched up and you won't be able to find them. If they're on a coat hangers, you'll be able to find them quite easily. Yeah, I think I think there's a type of person out there that that irons and treats their underwear correctly, and there's the people that scrunches <laughs> do you it up do that? and puts it in. No comment. I don't and puts mind it in a, uh, in a a drawer in a scruffy. Do you, do you know how I iron things? You don't? Gravity. Okay. If you just leave things hanging, they'll just, of its own accord, use, use Earth's gravity to kind of keep it straight. Yeah, my, my boyfriend uses that principle as well. Because we've got common sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we then see, once again, Cat jumping out of an air vent, which is kind of crazy. And it made me think, um, where does Cat actually sleep well before this episode you think where does cat sleep because he hasn't got his own quarters we only ever see him jumping out of air vents does he sleep he's a cat he has cat naps all the time surely yeah, maybe <laughs> do you think he doesn't sleep do you I think it's know. been evolved out of him over three million Possibly. years yeah we never really find it we've never seen cat sleep have we not that i'm aware of um Yes, yeah, so a cat appears, and he, he, he kind of looks himself, at himself in the mirror again. He does the whole thing he did in episode one. I look nice, my shadow's nice, I'm looking cool. Um, and he's on the hunt for food. He's on the hunt for food, even though he knows full well he can get trout a la creme any time he wants out of, the, out of the machine. Maybe he's sick of a trout a la creme. He overdosed last time. That is now, true. Now it's off the menu. That is true. Um, so, so we know that kind of cat has his own thing going on in the air vents and later on in this episode we'll find out why he's actually going in those air vents mm. um and it is interesting to say the least um so cat then goes into lister and rimmer's quarters and presents lister with a book that he's requested because this is getting into reading now and this has requested cat to bring him the holy book um and why did he do that daniela because he wants to find out about the religion and origin of the cat. That's right. Um, the, um, the cat's holy book is almost a historical document, which is slightly Chinese whispered up um, and contains things like a cloister the stupid, um, laying down his life by going into, t- into a 
into stasis for his cat Frankenstein, which led to the development of the, the whole cat race. And Lister tr- was trying to point out to Cat the fact that it wasn't close to the stupid. It was it was Lister. Um, Lister the stupid. It was Lister the stupid, and um, it was his cat Frankenstein. I want to play a little clip right now of what they find out in that holy book. Right, mm-hmm. and she was pregnant. Now I got put into suspended animation. I was supposed to be there for eighteen months, but I didn't get out for three million years. You oversleep, so do I. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is that over those three million years, your entire race of people evolved from my pet cat. I gotta go now, man. Well, let's do lunch sometime. I'll put it in my diary. 12.30, lunch with God. (laughs) Formal drinks, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Lunch with God. Um, It kind of amazes me that Kat doesn't believe Lister when all the facts are there quite plain to see. Yeah, it's, it's a bit obvious, really. It is. But, I mean, Cat is more interested in, in how he looks and, than anything else. So, and his shiny thing. And his shiny things. But um, Lister is, is obviously both kind of, what's the word? He's happy that he's the god. He, he's kind of embracing it. But he's also disappointed and he's confused because this whole whole civilization built themselves out of, out of a mistake. And he kind of wants to tell them, he wants to meet these people, these cats, and tell them... They've made a mistake here. He isn't God. He's just he's just a guy that left his cat out when he went into, into stasis. But as far as he's aware, there's only cat left. Exactly. Um, so then we see Rimmer very excited about a, an unidentified object that Holly's brought into Red Dwarf that was floating around in space. Um, and Lister is... Oh, sorry, and Rimmer is very, very sure that it's aliens because he thinks a- everything's aliens. Yeah, no, he's concerning himself with this pod that's arrived while uh, Lister's uh, talking cat gods. Exactly. And what Rimmer doesn't know, which Lister finds out when he goes to check, is this isn't a alien um, pod. It is, in fact, a Red Dwarf garbage pod. And the, the mysterious writing that's on it, which is all chopped up in, into bits and cracking off, in fact, says Red Dwarf garbage pod. And I really like that scene between uh, Lister and Rimmer, where uh, Lister go, goes into the... Uh, into the quarantine. Into the sort of, uh, yeah, the quarantine zone and uh, opens it up and, uh, ha- well tries to open it up and... Uh, Pretends that he's dying from exactly. some kind of... Exactly. And that, that scene was actually improvised was by it? Craig Charles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he did it in rehearsals. And uh, after uh, Grant and Naylor saw it, they uh, they added it to the to the scene. It makes sense. It is great. Um, and also, I, f- I find that... Rimmer admits he, he made up the word Quagars, but I would love for it in a future episode of Red Dwarf for the Quagars to actually be an alien race that yeah. comes. Because then it would mean Rimmer's right the whole time. They come and find him. Maybe they've descended from, like, Rimmer's socks or something. Maybe. Yeah. Or his underwear that's on yeah. on uh, thingamajigs. Um, but I would love Rimmer just to be right just once and th- for there to be Quagars out there for real. And it, it would be a great, it would be a great callback. I find. Um, so um, Rimmer is 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 kind of incensed at Lister's 
kind of lackadaisical approach to, to aliens. And he's, he's actually, he screams at Lister quite a lot, saying he's not taking it seriously. Um, yeah, he tells him he has to stay in quarantine for a month. <laughs> exactly, and Lister just casually walks yeah, out. Yeah, pays no attention. <laughs> um, and uh, Rimmer wakes up Lister um, in the night because they're both sleeping. They both sleep in the same room. Even though they've got the whole of Red Dwarf to themselves, they still sleep in the same room, top bunk and, and bottom bunk. And Rimmer shouts at Lister, Lister, are you awake? And Lister's fast asleep. And he shouts, Lister! And uh, Lister, are you awake? And he goes, yeah. And Rimmer goes, yeah, I couldn't sleep too. Which I thought was really funny. Yeah, yeah, it's a good scene. <laughs> And um, he, he basically says to, to Craig Charles, to Lister, um, yeah, I'm so excited about these aliens, the, about these Quagars, um, and uh, potential aliens. Because it would mean everything that, List, that Rimmer's thought of for years is, is correct, that, that there are aliens out there. Yeah, um, and, they, and they start to imagine what they would look like as well. What do they do again? They start to imagine what they would look like. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and they imagine them to look like voluptuous women with beehives. Long green hair and six breasts. Six breasts. Imagine making love to a woman with six breasts. Imagine making love to a woman. <laughs> and, and Lister's <laughs> face, Lister's face in that scene is, is priceless. It's a great scene. <laughs> he, just, he just sits, he lays there with his mouth wide open for about 20 seconds. Um... Yeah, and like, I know it's the kind of uh, the kind of geeky guy's wet dream that an alien would be a, a, a humanoid-looking woman with six breasts. But really and truly, what would you be able to do with six breasts? You asking me? Yeah, because I, because I, t- I tell you why. Because a cat woman would have would have six breasts. So the cats that have descended from Frankenstein, those women would have six breasts because they're cats. They would have six teeth. But do you not think they would develop into breasts? Not necessarily. I would like to think they do. Right. I've read okay. the Cat Karma Sutra, don't forget. Well, obviously. And uh, they definitely do have six breasts. Um, <laughs> but no, I wouldn't know what to do. It's confusing. Um, I played... <laughs> I should stop this. Right? I think we're uh, seeing a lot more into your personal life today than uh, you. I'm just obsessed with female aliens. That's it, really. Have you seen the film Species? I have, yes. Not for some time. Hot me, not me, but I remember that how when I was like fourteen or fifteen watching that, I was like, Jesus, aliens can be really, really hot. Yeah. Natasha Henstridge. Yeah. That was her name. She was wow. a good-looking woman. She was great for an alien. She uh, dated Darius from uh, Pop Idol for a while. No way. Yeah. Did she really? Yeah. How did that come about? I have no idea. Wow. Yeah. Because that was roughly the same time, was it? The Pop Idol's a bit later. No, Pop Idol was late. Anyway, I don't think they, they met when he was at Pop Idol. It was a few years later that they got together. Wow. They got engaged as well. But yeah, Darius think... from Pop Idol went out with Natasha Henstridge from Species. Yeah, that's true. The world's our oyster, boys. Yep, if Anything you, if can happen. If you can do it, so can you. If you can sing Hit Me Baby one more time on national TV, you two can go out with an alien. And, um, yeah, so Holly explains to... That's when Holly explains to Lister, um, because he's just translated the Cat Bible in full. Um, and Holly explains to Lister that he is indeed their god, just as he expected. And I also have, because I'm really cool, I have an audio clip where Holly explains exactly who Lister is. Who's clenched or is it me? 
Yes, Dave, the cats have made you their god. Hey, working-class kid makes good. <laughs> Your plan to buy a farm on Fiji and open up a hot dog and donut diner has become their image of heaven. What? And Cloister spake. Lo, I shall lead you to Fuchsia, and there we shall open a temple of food, wherein shall be sausages and savoury donuts and all manner of bountiful things. Yea, even individual sachets of mustard. <laughs> And those who serve shall wear hats of great majesty, yea, though they be made of coloured cardboard and have humorous arrows through the top. <laughs> okay, Daniel, if you were a god, what would be what would happen in, in your kind of religion? I'll tell you what happens in the cat religion or what happened. Um, Holly explains there are some holy wars. Some cats believe the donut diner hats should be red. And the other faction of cats believe they should be blue. And this was enough for them to have a holy war where they fought each other. And most of the cats died, which was kind of of ironic because the hats were meant to be green, Lester says. Um, And finally, they called the truce because there was only a few of them left. And they left on two separate arcs to find the promised land, Fushal, which is actually Fiji. Um, And what what would be the kind of things that would make up your religion like what would people be wearing what would be the rules i think it would be definitely heavy on sea otters what exactly about sea otters would be in your religion would you have to i think they would be a sa- sacred animal sacred okay, animal yeah right. yeah so would you would... be allowed to eat them no no okay. that is that is against the rules you would you would worship and protect them and offer them gifts of uh, pebbles and crustaceans pebbles yes what would the sea otters do with pebbles uh sea otters like to have a favorite pebble that they keep do they in really? their i don't yeah. believe you it's true they can look like... it up really yeah and what would pe- people be wearing I think people would be wearing a lot of denim and Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> okay, so so essentially everyone would be bewitched. Uh, the band, no. the Irish band, Bewitched. I hated Bewitched. But they wore denim, and they probably like sea otters. No, no, no. You can't base no. religion about around Bewitched. No, I hate Bewitched. Okay, well, I don't believe you. You seem to be obsessed with them. I've never liked or listened to any of their songs. Do you fight like your dad? No. Okay. Because your dad is behind that bookcase still, waiting, waiting to whisper into my ear dr- and put dreams in it. I don't think so. Because your dad is the BFG, as we, <laughs> as we <laughs> discovered the other, the other week. Um, so what, what would my religion be? Robots. There would be a lot of, there would be heavily, there'd be, yeah, it's essentially be, you know, when Skynet takes over in Terminator. When all the all the kind of the robots I and the don't Terminators. Remember. You haven't seen ter- any any of the Terminators. I've seen Terminator One and Two. Okay, but I don't remember. Well, basically, the robots would take over. I'm fine with there being less humans and more robots because there's too many humans on this planet anyway. Yes, that is true. We haven't got the resources to sustain this amount of people. But how would you decide who would live and who would die? I wouldn't kill anyone. I would just make sure that there were a little bit more rules, like kind of the Chinese do. More rules about how many kids you can have um, and stuff like that. I think you should, you should limit it to two children. I know that's going a little bit off to- topic, but I don't think anyone should have more than two children. Okay, well, I'm an only child, so my parents did well. So maybe someone else could have three because they've taken your yeah, allocation. Yeah, can even it out a bit. Um, and I think there'd be a lot of trainers involved. I do like my trainers. Mm-hmm. And I think um, there would be... A, you would be able to... If someone flamed you on the internet, says something bad about you, you can press a button and they would be taken to execution. Seems fair. 
Seems pretty fair. Do you ever read like comments on YouTube for for things and? I do, yes. It's, um, it's, it's there's, a lot, there's a lot of crazies out there. A lot of racist. You can post any video on YouTube and it'll just be racist underneath. It's weird. Even the Red Dwarf ones. I'd like to apologise again for that comment, Jed. I uh, didn't mean to... Uh... <laughs> I told you not to write that, Daniela. I've deleted I've flagged it for moderation. Um, so... Rimmer is obviously jealous that Lister is a god. He wishes it could be him. And he thinks Lister's been disingenuous when he says he, he doesn't like the facts. Because everyone would kind of like to be a god of something. Maybe not this kind of, this series of events which led to a lot of people dying and, and, and going off. Um, it's, it's kind of a weird situation that um, Lister's found himself in. One of his best friends is descended from his cat. It's very, very weird. It's a bit of a bizarre situation. It is. Um, so Lister goes to um, find Cat, uh, but he can't find them anywhere. And he goes through all the corridors and through an air vent and an air duct. Are air ducts and air vents the same thing? Air vents, the actual kind of entrance and exit, and the ducts are the actual. I think that's tunnels. how it works. Right. Okay. That so that's sensible. what happens. There's a, there's an episode of Red Dwarf a bit later called uh, um, Duct Soup about being in the air ducts. Um, so Rimmer goes through it and he finds cats. Well, before that, we see Cat in his secret room, which is where he's been staying the whole time, um, and in his secret room. Is an old blind cat. Who's a priest. Who is a priest. Who's one of the... Who's the only priest, one of the only people on board. He's the only other cat left aboard Red Dwarf. Um, and he has been flying the, the the flag of this religion based on Cloister the Stupid and, and Frankenstein. He's been believing it his entire, entire life. And it's only right at the end now, when he's just about to die, where he's having a crisis of faith. Mm. And it's actually quite a sad, a sad moment. Yeah, it's a sad scene, I think. It is, and um, it, and cat seems to all cat seems to be interested in is himself and his shoes. Mm. So every time that the priest kind of comments on the fact that he's about to die and um, his beliefs, are, he questions his own beliefs and his life's been a complete waste. Cat's like, well, what about my shoes? My investigating shoes. Um, because I don't think I don't think later on in Red Dwarf he's that shallow and vain. He, he's pretty shallow and vain, but not that's that's psychotic almost. Yeah, no, I think he he develops a, a more humanity as we go along. But right now Definitely. he doesn't seem to have any empathy. Well, I guess he didn't have any humanity because he wasn't around humans until possibly the guys yeah. turned up. Um, so it's sad, and he. Um, and this is when Lister finds him, and he overhears the, the priest having a crisis of faith. Um, so he appears with a golden donut on his head and uh, a big golden sausage <laughs> in his arms. Um, he appears to, to triumphant music, and I'm going to play you a little bit of that scene now. You tested me, Cloyston. I failed. Oh, no, you didn't fail, old man. You passed. I'm giving you, I'm giving you an A-plus distinction. You, you mean there's a place for me on Fuchal? A place? Got your own bathroom on sweet court floors, your own barbecue on the patio, double glazing, a phone and everything. Have I had? I've burned my sacred heart. 
No, you haven't. Uh, uh, a miracle. This is the happiest day of my life. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty harsh and pretty sad yeah. happenings there. Get the Kleenex out, guys. Because essentially what happened there is overcome by emotions of the fact he's finally met Cloyster the Stupid, that his beliefs were real, and the fact that he's been forgiven for doubting Cloyster the Stupid. He has a severe heart attack and uh, falls down dead. So as soon as we get another character, we lose him straight away. Exactly. And that was the only other cat person on the ship. So now Cat is well and truly alone. Um, the, the last member of his race that we've seen so far. And yeah, he's left alone with the humans. And it's, it's, it's sad. I remember watching that and I was, I was quite sad with that. I mean, it, it's a comedy, so you, don't, you never really get a tear in your eye, but it's the closest you can come to having the full gamut of emotions in, in one single, like scene i find do you not find did you did you cry during that scene no i didn't ah you've got you've got no heart yeah i don't (laughs) so um before that well lister does ask him why you didn't join the ark with the others um and he said it's because they left the stupid and the lame behind um the sick and the lame sorry were left behind that's pretty harsh it is but like i said in the in the previous episode if you're in deep space and stuff's going down you don't want these people slowing you down because you could die it's a catty cat world Wow. <laughs> I'm here all week. <laughs> oh, wow. Try the fish. Um, so if we find out the cat was born to the cripple and the idiot. Um, and I, I think Cat's dad was the idiot because he ate his own feet. And Cat says, yeah, I wonder why he did that. So if Cat had the, if Cat was around when his dad was around i don't know cat was yeah cat couldn't have possibly have gone onto the ark because he was born after the ark had left but we do find out that one of the arcs uh crashed into uh the sun or a star or something so there is one arc full of cats left out there floating into space trying to find food shell but i assume it would take three million years to get there yeah but that's quite interesting because at some point this is what i would do so if I was writing the new Red Wolf, which I think between us we should, yeah, there should be one episode where we find out the Scutters were the ones who um, who broke the drive plate, which caused the accident on Red Dwarf, and we see it from their point of view. So all the big elements of Red Dwarf, like for instance, the first time we meet Crichton, we find out it's that one of the Scutters that maybe discovered that the other ship was there, or. Or during um, Government of the Apocalypse, it was one of the scutters that made the virus go into into the ship or something like that. That would be quite good. And the second episode should be about the second cat arc being discovered. They've gone in a circle and they've come back and... They've gone full circle. They've gone full circle. And we discover what's happened on that ship. Like, um, because that ship would just be meeting their god. Mm. And they may think that Red Dwarf is Fu Shell. Because their god is on it. But they left it. They left it in search of their <laughs> god. But little did they know that their god was there all along. But just exactly. in stasis. But the thing that gets me is there must have been... If it's three million years have passed, they may, there must have been, I don't know, thousands, tens of thousands, millions of cats aboard Red Dwarf. 
but nothing was touched. There's no cat. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. No. no Listen, Rimmer's room is exactly the same. Nothing. No scratches. Yeah, and there's no evidence that the cats were ever there. Holly, who has overall view of the entire ship, mostly, besides that one uh, inside the duct, never knew the cats even existed. So the cats never kind of ventured outside of that, that one little room, uh, maybe. The human dust was still around as well when uh, Mr. woke up. So it's quite That would have sense. been disturbed. Yeah. And this is the first episode that we actually see Holly, because in the previous episodes, it was just a voice. But this is the first episode we see Holly's face on screen. I didn't recognise yeah. that. And, um, I mean, it's been widely known that the reason we see Holly's face is because Norman loves it. He, he kind of loves himself. See, it was originally only meant to be a voice part, but he wanted he wanted his face to be seen. Understandable. Yeah. I mean, it's you're getting face. big ratings. You're getting four or five million viewers. You want, you want to kind of catch a little bit of fame. So he asked for his face to be in it, and now his face is always in it. Um... Until he didn't want to be anymore because he wanted to stay up in up north in Scotland to season for when um, Hattie Hayridge came into it. Okay. Um, and yeah, so we see um, Lister and Cat with that dead priest, and Lister is obviously quite emotional, but Cat isn't. He's like. How I told you about my investigating shoes. He's completely forgotten about the, the dead priest already. The last cat alive on Red Dwarf. Which I think is... It's like the cat in some ways, but I think he's, as you said, a lot more humanised as the episodes go along. Hmm. Um, and it almost makes you dislike the cat a little bit. Yeah, he's, he's very arrogant and self-absorbed. Yeah. Um... And now we find that the quarantine for the garbage pod is now over. So, so, so we see Rimmer finally getting to see what's in the in the pod, which he still thinks are the Quagars. So Lister pulls out what can only be described as a rotten chicken car- carcass. Yeah. And uh, Rimmer is like, oh, I told you guys, it's a Quagar uh, soldier in there, um, remains. And um, what does Lister say? This doesn't say anything. He just agrees that it's a, a Quaker. I was going to say, I don't remember, <laughs> don't remember him saying anything. But I find that, um, I think now the joke's gone on a little bit too far. Rimmer, he's already convinced himself, regardless of what he sees. It's like these people who um, believe in like Bigfoot or like Loch Ness and stuff like that. What do you mean? I believe in Bigfoot and Loch Ness. <laughs> but you know, like people who are... You look at a picture of a Loch Ness monster, and they're like, "See, that's it, proof." Because they're so tied up in that world, they will believe everything. But if you look at it with fresh eyes, you can see that it's not a Loch Ness monster; it's just um, a toy duck or something. I think we'll have to agree to disagree there. Do you believe just, in the Loch Ness monster? I do. It's, this doesn't exist, oh, and Bigfoot doesn't exist either. We're, we're not going into. Do you believe in today. aliens? No. Well, okay, so that's one way you, you differ from. I don't believe in aliens either. I know people say oh, it's so selfish to, to believe that we're the only living sentient things in the universe, but I just genuinely think we are. I think we're an accident that happened, um, and I don't think there's anywhere else in the universe. I think if there was anything else, we would have found it by now. If there was something else in the universe, and they were more clever than us, cleverer than us, they would have tried to contact us, but it doesn't seem like they have. It, unless they have, and we're just too stupid to realise it. Possibly. 
Um, so yeah, so the, the rotten chicken's taken out, and to be honest, there are eyes drawn on them on on the chicken to make it look like a a face, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's like when people see faces of Jesus in, in toast. Don't you find? Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever found Jesus in your toast? Um, no, but I tell you what's something weird that's happened to me today. Just before you, you came here, this, we're recording this in, in the post pop offices. Something flew across the room. No joke, that this little metal object flew across the room. And I was like sitting down and just landed. And I, heard, I heard like, ching, ching, like something fell on the floor. And it was like this metal thing that's on, on the bin over there right now. It's really weird. And I don't know how it fell off something or wind blew it. Have you got a poltergeist here, Jay? No, but I'm going to tell you a story right now that's going to, that's going to blow your world. I was, um, I was with my, an ex-girlfriend and, uh, the lights were off <laughs> and, um, we were talking about dreams or something, just the kind of thing that I usually do when the lights <laughs> yeah. are off and with a girl. Yeah. How's that? What did you have any nice dreams lately? Anyway, um, I told, I was telling her about this recurring dream I had about, um, a treasure hunt. Um, where I went to sleep and the dream started. I was in this room full of people and this guy stood up on this podium and said, right, um, the, follow the, uh, we had the treasure hunt theme on another episode, didn't we? But this is another treasure hunt thing. It was like, follow these clues uh, to find the treasure. So the whole dream was me and this other group of people trying to outdo other groups of people to find this treasure. It turns out in the end, the treasure was in this barn somewhere in America, and this other group of people found the treasure. So I was like, that's a weird dream, a bit of an anticlimax. I didn't find the treasure. The next night, I went to sleep, I closed my eyes, boom, I was back in, in, the, um, in the treasure hunt storyline, back in the library, because it was set in the library. The guy got up on the podium and was like, right, this is a treasure hunt, here's the first clue. And I said to, to my group of people in my dream, guys, I've got this. We went straight to that barn, and for the whole dream was us sitting around in the barn waiting for the other characters to appear it's like we were here like at the start of the dream um and then the next night same dream again but this time i appeared by myself in the barn with the treasure so so it was just a bit of a weird dream so like i can tell you're excited by this i'm enthralled <laughs> so i was telling this girl about this dream and at that moment we heard bang something had flown across the room and fell onto the floor all right I was like, what's that? Turned on the light, and it was a Commodore 64 computer game, right? And But it wasn't... I didn't have a Commodore 64 or any of those computer games in the house I was living at. That game was from my parents' house. Which, which is, I was like, that's weird. When did I bring this here? And the game was called Treasure Island Dizzy. What? <laughs> it was Treasure Island Dizzy. And I was like, how does this even happen? It was the most bizarre thing. And across my heart, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in anything. And that happened. And she was like, oh, you planted that. How could I have planted that? That's spooky. It was really, really weird. So, but I don't know if it's a ghost or if it's me with some kind of latent energy. Telekinetic powers. I do believe I have slight, not full-blown telekinetic powers, but maybe a slight ability to move things in my mind. Okay. Would you, what would, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Uh, I think it would be the ability to see into the future. Okay, and what would you use for, for good or for, for bad? Because uh, most people would use it for bad. I would use it for good to find out the lottery numbers and. Uh, okay, but that would be for bad because that's cheating. And you never cheat, you said, on a uh, previous podcast, or was it this one? It w- <laughs> it's a previous podcast. I. It wouldn't be 
totally bad. I wouldn't be hurting anyone. If you get a percentage of it to charity. Of course, I promise. Then maybe it'd be fine. Okay. Um, what would yours be? Well, like, you, you can tell a lot about a person from the, the ability they choose. A lot of people would pick flying. A lot of people would pick invisibility. But if you pick invisibility, I just think you're a bit of a weirdo and a bit of a pervert. It's a good job I didn't pick that one. Yeah. And if you pick flying, I think you'd be put in a cage and, and be experimented on. You'd have to keep it secret as well. Cause it's you a bit would Wizard be, of Oz. Yeah. And you'd probably be killed by the American government. A drone would come and get you because mm. you'd be too much mm. of a threat. Um time travel would be kind of good yeah yeah um so at the very end of this episode of waiting for god um we um the credits roll and it's the the only time that the credits actually stop for rimmer to realize and to exclaim it's a garbage pod it's a smegging garbage pod it's a smegging garbage pod um so he does find out in the end he has got a little bit of brains um in this episode I actually, when I originally watched it and subsequent viewings, I didn't like it. Really? But I found the, the older you get, the more you appreciate the nuances of this episode and how it is a satire of religion and blindly believe in things. Um, and I, I think it's great. Yeah, it's, it's a good episode. It's funny. It's another cheap, a cheaply made episode. Yes, yeah. Um... But it's 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 good that we're doing all these uh, kind of early Red Dwarf episodes, which are very very self-contained, mostly bottle episodes. Because from season two onwards, there's a lot more action, a lot more sci-fi. There's a lot of clever writing in this episode. Yeah, I mean, they obviously didn't know that this would be a massive, huge success, so they were keeping it subtle and simple. But once they knew they had an audience and a bit of a budget, then they could go full out and have big action scenes yeah, spaceship battles with it. yeah and i can't wait to do so for the first season we're gonna not have any guests it's gonna be me and daniela um you can get to know us and then we'll introduce people for the second uh, season yeah. i've got a special guest lineup for season two as well i can't wait um a person who's on red dwarf 2 one of the episodes and i've got a special guest lined up uh, for one of the seasons as well that i'll be introducing to jed for the first time for real? Yeah. Who's that? Ah, you'll have to For the first time? For the first time. Wow. Is it someone off Red Dwarf? I can't comment. <laughs> That's interesting. That's news to me. Hmm, okay. I look forward to that. So, again, thank you very much for listening to Smegheads, the Red Dwarf podcast. Um, I hope you're excited by the prospect of the new Red Dwarf episodes. I know I am. Um, me too. As soon as those tickets get announced, and if I don't find out, can you guys tell me? Can yeah, you? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, tell us on Twitter. How can they find us on Twitter, Daniela? Um, I'm at Daniela with one L Phillips, and I'm at Jed Shepherd on Twitter. J E D S H E P H E R D. Um, and yeah, you can find out more about the stuff that I kind of do at Post Pop Records, which is where this is recorded. Um, and, and you can find out more about what I eat and what fluffy animals I like. Which um, I'm guessing it's pizza and sea otters. Burgers and sea otters. Burgers yeah, and sea otters. Pretty much. A sea otter burger would be the best then of all worlds. Don't you dare. Thanks very much for listening, guys. See you later, Smegheads. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Smackheads the Red Dwarf Podcast. Smackheads is a production of Boast Pop, and you can check out the show notes and other stuff at boastpoppodcast.com slash smackheads. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. See you later, Smackheads.